0: This Torah class is brought to you by com. Welcome to Journey to Greatness number nine. So I got a lot of calls from people who have concepts and ideas, and they would like to change the world. They want to start organizations. They want to do things which will impact, you know, cholesterol And it's interesting to watch a lot of people who have like, a lot of concepts, a lot of ideas, but they don't actually like they don't. I don't want to say they don't become anything, but they don't necessarily transform it into like actual something tangible. So tonight, I want to talk to you a little bit about taking certain things from, let's call it the, like you know where it's in your mind and bringing it down into something a little bit more practical. So one of the things that we've spoken about in the past a lot, which I think is like very underrated is the concept of consistency. Now, the way that he lays this out, we're going through again, is really the concept of Zman, the concept of time. And the way that he sort of lays it out there is that we're familiar that people have different values, right? People, some people are very much into money. Some people are very much into Ruchniyet. Everyone has their thing that propels them to you know this is this is what's strong for them they want to spend time with their families and you talk to my wife for two minutes she'll tell you about this concept like you know even more in depth but we all know everybody has values and things that sort of like drive let's call it like like it drives them i say to you what's important to you you go on a date with somebody what's important to you oh you know my children my whatever it is there's always going to be things that will in your mind you know be important to you but If you want to really, really know what is important to you, here's a little tip. It's try to figure out what you actually spend your time on. What is surrounding the bulk of your time? Now, he lays it out in in sort of in stages. And the first stage is make sure that you have a budget for things that are important in your life. So make sure that your time, your day is allotted and budgeted and structured. He doesn't talk about Google Calendar necessarily, but have yourself a Google Calendar, something where everything that needs to fit into your day is on your calendar, and there's a structure for it, and there's a time allotment. And the second level to this, which I think is a lot more challenging, is that a person should try as much as they can to limit wow. every single thing that they do to an allotted time. That means how often do you have it that like you're sitting there you're working on something and somebody comes into your office and they go, Oh, I need to talk to you about something. And you get into a conversation and it's like an hour later and you're like, I have no idea. Like where did the time go? Where did it go? It it went, it went because you did not have violence over that time. You didn't stop and say, yes, we could have a conversation. Let's talk for five minutes, start, you know, set an alarm clock. It rings. Okay, fine. It's great talking to you. I'll finish up later with you. Have an allotment for the things that are in your allotted time. So the things that you're budgeting for in your day, that's number one. Number two, even within your entire day, try to structure that your day has like almost like a, like a pause button or a stop button on the things that you have going on in your day. And number three is the things that you do have going on in your life that are important, that are true values to you, make sure that that hits your calendar first and preferably gets out of your way right away. Meaning make sure that that is not just like in theory gonna happen, but that it actually hits your calendar, and it's something that happens. You know, I, I went with my wife, Tara Israel a couple months ago, and we were staying on Rehov HaNavim, which, if you know anything about it, Rehov HaNavim is between Meisharim and Yavko. So it's almost like the border between, like, two worlds, between, like, the professional world and let's call it, like, the, uh, the, the ancient world, you know? And that's Rehov HaNavim. It drives right in the middle, Okay. And in the mornings, I would get up, and I would walk to Meisham Shtibach, and that's where I would daven. As a Bachar, I used to daven there. I was like, wow, it's like a throwback, you know, going to, like, Shtivach, where I haven't been in so many years. And every morning, I would walk to Meisham Shtivach. And it was interesting, the first morning, when I was walking, I saw that there was a woman who was sitting in her car, and she had a sitter in her hands, and she was davening. And then, like, she went to, went to shul, came back, and... Apparently like our timing sort of like overlapped where when I came back, she was standing there against like a wall. It was a wall of like a municipal building, almost like by the Kaisal, you know, like with the old stones. And she's like Daving na Estray like a Rabbitson. Okay. The next day I got I'm walking and I'm like, okay, maybe she got up late or something. And we were we were there for like a week or more and I realized that, that was this woman, that was her Malcolm Kavula. That was where she got up every single morning. And she in all the things that you need to sit for. And then she stood up and she had like her spot by the wall and she would sit there and she would daven every day. And I told my wife, I said, what an amazing country this is. You know what I'm saying? You don't see that happening like, you know, on not whatever, Forest and Fifth, you don't see people just like davening against the lamppost. Like there are people here, it like really blew my mind, who I hop, this became part of her structure in her day. She gets up, she does what she needs to do, takes care of her family some random woman, but she made sure that this time for davening was not missed. Oh, but, 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 like we all have a a million reasons why we don't daven, have a million reasons why we don't do things. Her answer to that was, yeah, but I'm going to find the time for it. I'm going to find the place for it. And she was able to carve out, because it was important to her, she made sure that it actually happened. And I think that step number one is that your time is allotted. Your days actually matter. Zman has a chashivas, time actually counts for something. And if you do that, then you actually see things that the wheels start to spin. There's a very famous story when we were in yeshiva. They told us that the guy that in Yerushalayim of the Eda Haredes many years ago was Zerubzelig Ruvein Bengus. And one time he was known as an Eloi. And the story goes that he, he once made a siyam And then like two days later, he made another siyam so everyone was like, "Whoa, that was a very fast one. Like, how do you make a Sema Shas two days, like two days after he made the first one? And he told them that because he serves as the guy of it, he's always traveling around and going to different events, a bris, a kiddish, a bar mitzvah, whatever the case may be. And therefore, he knows there's always going to be downtime, quote unquote. And many years earlier, he made a Kabbalah that there's no such thing by him as downtime. There is no such thing. Downtime does not exist. And therefore, whenever he had 10 minutes, he had a completely different Seder from his regular Sederim. And he made sure that he was always moving along in where he was up to in shas. So he said, "I happened to finish like, you know, like my 87th time of finishing shas happened on on Tuesday, and then it happens to be that those 10 minutes all added up, and therefore on Thursday I was able to make my next CM shas. And that that second CM shas, he was much more emotional and nisrageshi was like much more into it because it represented the fact that time time had a khashivas. A lot of people in their minds, they they." they dive in, or they work on things or whatever the case may be. But if you say to them, do you actually put in the time into this thing? Very often the answer is no. And I'll just add another thing, which is just popping into my mind right now, is that a lot of times people look at other people who are successful in different areas and they say to themselves, wow, you know, if I had that person's talents, that person's abilities, if I had that, then yeah, sure, I would do that. Like if I knew how to set up like, All this equipment, yeah, sure, I would help people with their serum. I just don't know how to do it. So what am I going to do? Well, the only reason you don't know how to do that is because you never actually put the time into it. If a person invests their time into a new skill, then you actually will learn that skill. They have this called like the 2,000 hour rule, the the 10,000 hour rule. You could call it all these different rules that you want. If you don't put time into something, then of course it's not going to become a part of you. If you want to learn to play guitar. You have to spend hours and hours with bloody fingertips to be able to actually play guitar. You're not going to sit down and be some savant that like actually knows how to play. Not, most people are not going to get there. In order for a person to achieve anything, to change themselves, you have to be willing to invest time. Nothing on this planet was ever created without a real investment of time. Nothing. Doesn't just happenstance happen. Every single thing. A tree grows it takes time it takes patience and one of the first things that we ever spoke about when we when we spoke about the journey of midos for those of you who were who were part of it there, then we said that probably the number one mida the number one mida of successful people and this psychologist talk about and we talk about the sarm talk about this the number one mida is that successful people are in it for the long run they are not looking for immediate gratification if you're looking for immediate gratification you will not find happiness you will not change yourself you will not accomplish much of anything. If you're looking for the lottery ticket to life, you will probably lose the lottery. But if you're willing to put in the work and the time and the investment, then there's a very good chance that you'll actually be successful in transforming yourself. So that is the first concept, the first idea, is that nothing happens overnight. Nothing. Avram Avinu, at the end of his life, it says, He came with his days. He literally brought all of his days. His days were accounted for. It was a Hashivas to all of the time that Avraham Avinu had on this earth. So that is concept number one. Concept number two is the concept of real emunah. And I think over this past Shabbos, for those of you who are, who are with us on, on the Shabbaton, to, to me, at least, the concept of emunah took like, there was one question that somebody asked that like really made things so clear to me. If you would say to yourself, do you have emuna?" I think 99% of people would say "Yeah." because we're Jews and we don't want to sound like an apicarious. So we just say, yeah, right. We're like, yeah, we're good. yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Yeah, right. Of course. Right. And there was a girl on the Shabbaton who asked a question in the middle of like a bunch of other questions. And it like really struck me, like, like right in the middle of my head. She asked, she said, is it true that before I was born, I chose this life? That was what she asked. Right. Which is a very powerful question. And I'm going to tell you the answer in a minute, which we spoke about. But what struck me was that what Amuna is, besides anything else, it's a perspective. And I think that this is where a lot of people, they they sort of mistaken just saying things. You know, Risham Shampinkas would always say that people say that a picture paints a thousand what's the what's the word a picture a picture is worth a thousand words yeah something like that okay right so he would say if you would say if somebody would say to you you know there's a camera tell the truth so you would say yeah sure i'm saying you take a picture of something and it is what it is but he would Ripsham was very into the panemius Hadavar and he would always say no a camera is always a liar because you only see the outside of things right if somebody shows you a picture of Rebbe Kiva Eger and you never open the Rebbe Kiva Eger, you don't understand Rebbe Kiva Eger's mind you don't understand who he was you didn't understand his mechtavim, Unless you like delve into something, you really don't understand the panemius hadavar. I think when it comes to Amuna, on the outside, it's very easy to say, yeah, amunah, bitachan, this is what, this is this. But if you think about what it means, it's a perspective. It's an inner, inner perspective. And what is that perspective? So this was the answer that, that we gave this girl. And it, her question was so beautiful. Her question was, right before I was born, my Nashama was looking down into this world, this crazy, insane world, with my crazy parents and family and traumas and dramas and shaduchim and children and parnasa, like everything goes into the road. You're telling me, honestly, that right before I took that leap, like off the diving board, you're telling me that I actually chose this life? And the answer is 100% yes. You know why? Because your perspective at that moment, right when you're standing on the cusp of Shemayim, and you're standing by the Kisiyakavah, and you're looking down into this world, so what does this world look like from that vantage point? Very few things actually make a difference. Health, not that important, right? Wealth, definitely not that important. Children, I guess, if it's the and Hashem, right? Like, what is the only that's really important? The Adam L'Nivra, rockless Anagal Hashem, right? My favorite song, rockless Anagal Hashem. That's it. So when you're standing up there, you're like, wow, this is amazing. I have so many opportunities to connect to Hashem. I'm going down into this little jungle, vine, but the main thing is that I'll, I'll see the world through the lens of Hashem. every challenge will be an opportunity for me. Hashem. My family, Hashem. everything I have in my life, no problem. Of course you signed off on that because from that perspective, it was so beautiful and it was so clear. So then you jump down into this world and we look around and we're like, wait, hey, where's my off? Where's my money? <laughs> Why is bad things happening to me? Why did bad things happen to good people? Our perspective totally gets shifted because we're bombarded in our low sense of perception that we lose sight of what it was like when we were standing up there next to the Kisei HaKavah. So this girl was like, it doesn't make any sense. Of course, it doesn't make any sense from your vantage point now. But if you go back to that vantage point, if you stop any time during any day and you got onto the elevator, you just stopped and meditated for five minutes and took the elevator up to Shemayim and said, Eivishter, does this make sense? Klap Eishmayah? In Shemayim, is there a chesed for something? If you can absorb that with a smile and say the answer is unequivocally yes, then boom, that is real emuna. But if a person struggles with anger or or not being able to sort of see it in that light, so then yes, in theory a person has emuna. But to me, the concept of emuna is a clear perspective from a soul perspective, from a neshama perspective, that you're seeing the world. Through that, through that beauty, the Kavayashar, a very esoteric sefer, he he talks about. This was one of Rabbi Zekharye um favorite Svaram, probably maybe his most favorite sefer. He would quote this all the time. The Kavayashar says that a person has senses, and these senses sort of allow things into the person. Let's see if I could uh, give over this idea. It's a very deep idea, obviously, you know. If you imagine people have like a like a personal space like around them, okay so your senses are what allow outside things to sort of like impact your your personal space, like who you are. So imagine like right in the middle of you is your nishama, okay and your nishama is like very sensitive, almost like a piece of glass, and that piece of glass has to be protected now, whatever goes on around you, it's your choice to either hear it, see it touch it, right? smell it, I guess taste it, right? So we have the ability to expand out from beyond our personal space. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if we want to say, no, I'm not, I'm going to hold my hands like this and won't touch anything. So then that's great. I'm going to look down at the floor, not going to see things. Great. I'm going to close my ears. I'm not going to listen. Great, great. I'm not going to eat this thing, whatever. Great. We have the ability at all times to keep within our personal space or we can expand out. The Kavayasher says that when a person expands out, the things that they allow in impact them. We're all familiar that if somebody eats things that are not kosher, there's like timtum halev, right? You eat things that are, that are trace. There's timtum halev. It affects your neshama somehow, right? And this, the Kavayasher says the same way if a person eats something that they're not supposed to, it affects their neshama. The same thing if a person hears something, you hear Lashon Hara, or especially if you see something. If you see something that you're not supposed to see, you allow that sight into you. We don't think about... We're like, well, I didn't do anything. You did, sort of. You allowed yourself to see things and internalize it into who you are. And the Kabayashi says that that person is filled up with whatever it is that they see. So if that thing was not so good, you fill yourself up with a certain tumma. And if, if if that thing is good, it's a Davar Shabbat Kedusha. So then you fill yourself up with Kedusha. So therefore... The kaviyosha says a person should be ruggle, should acclimate themselves to seeing things that are Dvaram Sheba Kadusha. Looking at Kamil Chachamim, looking at Svarim, whatever it is, look at things that are Dvaram Shabbakadusha, and then you envelop yourself, somewhat like eating kadusha. Okay, it like fills yourself up with a certain kadusha. But I saw some words which really jumped out at me that were familiar. There's a song, and it's really, it's it's, it's a puzzle. It says, Lift your eyes up, Keshemayim. Uru'u and see, Mi bara'ela. Right? person should look up, look around. Uru'u and see, Mi bara'ela. And it struck me that the concept of emuna, in a certain sense is that a person in whatever matzav they find themselves in, if they stop and they are su'u marim if they pick up their eyes and they say to themselves, mi bara who created this matzav, who put me into this perspective? It's Hashem. If you could internalize that, if you could get your brain into that mindset, that is kedusha. You're filling your life up with kedusha. I just had the opportunity, I don't want to go into detail because I didn't get this person to sign off on the whole details of the story, but I'll just tell you in a big picture, just met with a person who went through a tremendous, tremendous tragedy in their life, tremendous tra- tragedy, and their life from one minute to the next completely changed, and they told me that when people came to visit them after this tragedy, they we're giving people chizak. Like people came in and like right away, their, their like faces just dropped. Like, oh my gosh, you just went through such a terrible tragedy. And this person was like grabbing them and was like, oh, how are you doing? Shalom Aleichem, thank you for coming. It's so great to see you. And people were like, shocked. And this person told me, he said, even today when people see him and, and know all the things that he's gone through, they look at him and they say, I cannot imagine the simcha that this person's walking around with on a regular basis how, what's, what's, how's it, like, how's it possible? You went through such a tremendous hardship and such a tremendous loss, which impacts on a consistent basis. And they basically in their own words said this exact thing. Hashem created me in a certain way and I was makabal that that was the Ratz Hashem, And now things change. So now what do you do when things change? What do you do when something is hard? Su'u so, maray menechem, Pick up your eyes to Uru'u. Uh, and, and, and it should be clear, your, your, your perception, your perceptive, your perspective on the situation needs to be me, bara, ela who created this. Who created this challenge for me? Who created this matzah for me? And if you're able to do that, then you start to actually feel that, which transitions into the next idea, which is once you're able to actually feel that, now you need to express it. And he talks about the concept of tefillah. And I'll talk about this for just maybe two minutes. That a person has every day the opportunity to daven. He could daven from a sitter, you could daven without a sitter, you could daven your own language, whatever you are. But he, he lays it out in such an interesting way where he says that a person needs to internalize that your challenges will give a definition to your tefillah. So let's go back for a step. We just said that when you're standing up there in Shemayim, what is the only thing that makes a difference to anything? The answer is, do I have the ability to bring about like covet Shemayim? Do I have the ability to connect to Hashem? Do I have the ability to grow? If you can feel that, then your life will be so much easier. Because every challenge, you're almost like starting to unburden yourself. Why did this happen? I don't know. That's up to Hashem. But if I can channel those emotions and if I could bring those emotions to help me daven more, bimachazek, my mitzvahs, my taira, my, my chesed, whatever it is, then you're connecting to that bigger picture of v'adam Adam, rak I can connect to that for a minute. So now when you have a challenge in your life, what is a challenge? And he says that a challenge is specifically given to each and every person. We spoke about this on Shabbos, that every person needs to accept their challenges, their challenge. Every challenge is designed for you specifically. The time that you will wait for a shidduch, the time, the time that you will raise your children, how difficult your children will be, your parnasa. everything in your life is designed specifically for you. So you internalize that. And now when you're going through Shemayna Esrei, take one bracha that you feel is a challenge for you. Meaning I'm, I'm waiting for parnasa. I'm waiting for a shidduch, whatever the case may be. Take one bracha and chew it over. Just chew it over. Before you say it, just like let it go over you. Let it go over your neshama. Let it go over you again. And again, before you even say the words, just like internalize, Hashem, you gave me a nesayim. And I appreciate this nesayim. And I'm connecting to you. And you're giving me structure within my day to reach out to you and appreciate that you're the source, you're the baruch, you're the makar ha-bracha for this specific thing and I need you, and I I love you, and I care for you, and I know that you love and care for me as well, and now hopefully it's the Ratz and Hashem that I get this thing fulfilled. And he says that if you you do that with one bracha in your life, that bracha will become real. It will go from becoming just something that you say to something that will become real. And if you shift your focus after that bracha becomes real to another bracha, and then another bracha and another bracha, then your tefillah will become real. It will become something that, like, it's an expression of, thank you, Hashem, for the things that I have, and thank you, Hashem, for the things that I need. And if a person does that often enough, then their then their their then the structure of their day will become, the structure of their tefillah will become real. There's a very famous story. Many years ago, the Nitziv and Rebbe Khan Inspector were once traveling in Russia. They had a meeting with the czar, and it they, they was coming close to Yom Narayim and they had to daven in a special shul that was created by a group of Cantonists. These were children who, when they were younger, they were taken away from their parents, and they were they were drafted into the army. And these people became, like, mostly non-religious, and they were, you know, hanging around. But on Yom Narayim, they got together and they davened. And the two of these two gudalim were, like, sitting in the back of the shul. And the head of the shul, quote-unquote, stands up to give a drusha, you know, like, right before davening. And he's talking to a bunch of people that are like barely religious. And he says, Rabbi Yisrael, it's Yom Narayim, time for us to be mechazek ourselves and we have to David. And he says, well, let's just think about our lives over here. We have really no religion. We don't have much, right? Our lives are destroyed. We're taken from our families. We don't really have much of anything. So what do we have? Do we need food? No, the czar takes care of that. Do we really want to live? No, this life is miserable. And he goes through their entire life and he says, guys, we really have no needs. We have no desires. We have no future. We'll have no children. We'll have no anything. So what should we daven for? And he, he says, Rabbi, there's one thing that I want us all to have in mind. This one one thing. What is that one thing? Amen, yehei, shmei, la'elam, olam, The fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in the world, let's daven for him. Let's daven that the ratzen Hashem should be nizgala to the world. And that's it. That's our entire tefillah. And these two gudaylam, people who for years davin, they wrote Swaram on, on tefillah, they darshan on tefillah, they said they were so blown away by the most pasheryid davening, not for their own, own needs, but for the needs of HaKadosh Barakum. In a certain sense, believe that a person may go through their life with a burden, and then you start to feel that, like, hold on one second, there's a, there's a structure to like why things happen in the world. And when you start to feel that, it starts to unburden you a little bit. And if you then start to express it and you realize like there is, I, I am a manifestation of the Ratz Hashem, then it will change your perspective. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.